Today's podcast is brought to you by Brovid-19. Brovid-19 is a new virus specifically designed to only affect dumb frat guys crowding the beaches. Don't worry about your party time being affected, bruh, because Brovid-19 is conveniently designed in liquid form, so you can take it right down that beer bong or ice luge. Brovid-19 specifically knocks idiots out with cold-like symptoms for a few weeks while actual viruses are finally able to die down. Brovid-19, a quarantine mandate for morons. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest... She was born and raised in the great city of Reno, Nevada. She's now a current and new resident of Fairbanks, Alaska. She's also a registered nurse working in the ER. She's an alum of the University of Nevada at Reno. And she is a self-professed band geek who still plays the flute in small, intimate settings. Uh, Jana Yates, thank you so much for being my guest. Justin, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited to be here. You know my favorite part, Jenna, is you and I know What's each other. Part? You and I know each other, and yet I did that intro, and you answered. You said like "hello" as if we don't know each other. I love that part. <laughs> I love that. I love that part but, of. It's what the podcast does to people. Part. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I wanted to have you on the podcast today because you are, like I mentioned, you are a nurse. You're an ER nurse. And uh, you're just about to start a new job in Fairbanks, Alaska, where uh, I think there have been at least two reported cases of, of coronavirus. And that's kind of what I wanted to do is talk about, you know, talk to folks who are on the front lines of this. And, um, and so my first question to you is just, you know, first of all, like how are you nervous at all as, as this is approaching? I mean, you, st- you literally start on Monday. When this podcast goes out, which will be early next week, you'll first started uh, your job. Are you, are you nervous about what you're about to step into? Yeah, so I have to say, I know as an ER nurse, as a nurse in general, I find up for some scary stuff. Um, but I've never experienced this in my lifetime, nor have any of most of the people I've worked with. Um, so, yeah, I'm nervous. But I also know that I'm educated and prepared, and I will hopefully be able to rely on my hospital for the correct equipment to protect me and all the policies that will be in place. And, but and, all the news is definitely overwhelming. Well, and, and I'm wondering, like, so you haven't, so far, like, you haven't, back in your old job, you didn't treat any cases of coronavirus or anything like that, right? So, but, but have you talked to nurses that you used to work with or you're going to work with? Like, what are the stories that you're hearing? And, and more importantly, like on a scale of one to five, like how big of a clusterfuck is this whole thing? (laughs) So, yes, I've been keeping in touch with, um, my coworkers and, um, for example, in one of the ERs in, um, Reno right now, they have run out of, um, isolation gowns, which there might be a lot of pictures that you see out there right now. They're the um, yellow gowns that people are wearing. So essentially they are being provided with um, hospital scrubs. So they come in on their, in their street clothes and change and then change back in their street clothes every day before they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the ER there, they are actually knocking down walls to create rooms with negative pressure isolation so essentially that filters bad particles out of the air they only have 
when I left, they only had one of those rooms, and they're creating an entire hallway right now. Oh and I believe God. that they are also setting up triage tents outside, multiple of them that may turn into um, patient rooms as well. In, in, and then I used you, to... You, sorry, you're talking, uh, about, you, you're talking about triage rooms outside. Like, how how cold is it right now in Fairbanks, Alaska? Yeah, so here, I did notice that there was a tent set up outside, and I can tell, like, they're, they're filtering, you know, whatever they need to in their heat, whatever. Thankfully, it's only been, like, 30 degrees here, between 30 and 37. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's, it's blustery outside today, which doesn't happen ever, so I guess this is, like a rare thing, thankfully, because wind can be so much colder, but it hasn't been that bad. Um, I was talking with my boyfriend the other day about how crazy it would be if it was the middle of winter and everyone in the city was quarantined and it was dark outside all the time. And, you know, it was the worst winter on record, one of the worst winters on record so far, like negative 50 in January for the most part was all negative 20 or colder. Oh so my God. thankful it's not that right now. Yeah. Right, right. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I've heard stories about, uh, like, you know, I've heard that the, the CDC has now recommended that if you're a nurse or you're a doctor on the front lines, then, you know, I, what is it, reuse your mask. Um, if you don't have a mask, like, use, like, a scarf or a bandana. I mean, is that is that also what you're hearing as well? It's real, yeah. Um, I was reading yesterday on, a like, a verified source, um, one of, there's a bunch of nurse meme pages out there and so they're kind of getting real and asking people to DM them what's going on in their hospital and one of the nurses replied back that, that their like upper level management is lighting them up if they use more than one mask shift. Oh my God. That's... Yeah. And so these masks that we're talking about, oftentimes they're not necessarily always the tight ones that you see fitting people's faces and we're definitely not talking about like the um tappers that's a, that's a different kind of mask that fits really tightly these are like the surgical masks that pretty much you can just go pull off the wall if you're a patient in the hospital and they're only supposed to last four hours like and then you're also supposed to be switching them out in between each room you go into right technically so that's crazy. Um, I, I've heard a lot of different stuff at this point, and for the most part, I just have to like think about uh, hopefully what my hospital has. When I had my appointment on Monday to start, um, they fit me for a mask, you know, because you're supposed to be fit specifically for one. So mm. I'm assuming they have what they need. So that's just assumption. Right. Right. Do they? Do they? So, like, in when you're in nursing school and, and you know you're getting your education, like, do they? teach you about pandemics like and and how to handle these how to triage people how to handle these types of scenarios at all like what kind of training do you guys have specifically for an event like this that's a really good question um thank you thank you by the way thank you that's what this podcast is about let's just stop there (laughs) the answers don't matter end it all done done that's it but then we're done <laughs> incredible question end of it all um i don't remember specific teaching about it that being said that, that totally could have happened it was probably like touched upon um but as far as triaging goes that's a very specific um task for an er nurse and oftentimes you hear about nurses in general and doctors in general but 
everything, all these ordinances and, and pleas are coming generally from emergency directors, like medical directors right now, because they are the literal front line, um, or paramedics or firefighters or police officers. Um, okay. So triaging is a task that's taught once you become an ER nurse, which I am proficient in, like I took a test and passed it. So I did not actually learn that in nursing school. And as far as pandemics go, I did do some research for that for the purpose of us talking. Um, so I'm aware enough of like when the last one was and what the worst one was, but I don't really remember learning those things in nursing school. Right. I mean, like you, you, you know, you said in the get go, it's like, this is something that you've never experienced before. Obviously nobody's really experienced this before, um, whether you work in the medical field or not, but what are you trying to tell yourself to kind of like get in, you know, to psych yourself up, to get pumped about this, because I feel like you have to find optimism and hope. And I'm wondering like, what is, what is that right now? Absolutely. Um, I think part of it is honest with you, not even, um, I'll set my phone down for hours a day because it's, it's so, um, easy to just like swipe left on my phone and refresh the feed and see what the newest news is. And I think you started, um, our conversation today by saying that there were two cases here. Excuse mm-hmm. me, there are now five cases. Um, they're expecting much more. Um, so as far as remaining optimistic, it's, it's hard. I think I, I speak realistically with my boyfriend about like, hey, I'm going to come home and as weird as it sounds, I'm going to take my clothes off at the door. Like I almost want to undress in the garage, but we have a common area we have to walk through. So I'm not about to just, you know, show off to the neighbors. I was going to say that is but, one um, way, like sometimes you bring like a, you know, brownies or something like that to, uh, you know, welcome yourself to the neighborhood, try to make in good inroads with the neighbors. But, uh, you know, yeah. getting naked is also possibly a way. I- I'm just saying. That's a really, you know what? I'll tell them that too. Like, hey, enjoy this. <laughs> Feast your eyes upon this. <laughs> Instead of feasting upon brownies that I could have given you, which I can't actually, by the way, because I don't have anything to bake in my oven with. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, we, I want to I get to that in a second. Wow, yeah, that is correct. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Werther's Originals, the real super PAC behind the Biden campaign. Over 100 years of that classic caramel hard candy, enjoyed by everyone over the age of 75. Whether Biden or Bernie, or Crazy Donnie for that matter, it's going to be a win for us. Might as well rename it the Caramel House. There's going to be so many delicious Werther's Originals in that place. Mm. Did we bribe all the younger candidates to drop out and endorse Joe? Maybe. What? Would you really want Buttigieg skateboarding around the Oval Office with Twix and Mountain Dew? That's crazy talk, you silly kids. Ugh, you and your rock music and your iPods. Werther's Originals. The greatest hard candy serving the greatest generation. Life is not a movie, it's just a phase. Everybody's searching inside a maze. Never will be perfect, but we can try. Only thing that's certain is that we die. When our credits roll... Um, if you don't mind, I just want to touch really quick for maybe any of the listeners who might be curious about, like, the last pandemic. Yeah. I can just talk really quick. Please, drop some knowledge. Um, Technically, the last pandemic occurred 2009 to 2010 with the H1N1 swine flu. Do you remember that at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you, as you know, I'm old. 
So, uh, you know, right. I remember these I things. <laughs> well, that um, specifically, like, when um, researchers have compared that to this, we are not responding nearly as appropriately or quickly. For whatever reason, there was so much a much faster response. Within four days, a national emergency was declared, and then this time it took 11 days. Um, that pandemic killed between 151,000 to 575,000 people and affected 1.4 billion. So the stats there are completely different. We're already looking at a like a totally different monster. Um, so, but the, but the one that was the worst that a lot of people think about or maybe refer to as the Spanish influenza in 1918, and that killed 15 million people. That's so insane. that that is 10% of people died, and currently Corona is at 2%. That being said, people who have died, like over in China, um, and maybe even here too, I don't we're, it's so awful, the, the information that we do get versus what we don't get. I know that um, as of like a couple weeks ago, there were people in morgue still waiting to be tested. Jesus. So um, it's it's definitely not like H1N1, yeah. and the Spanish influenza was the worst we've ever dealt with. So it's it's more leaning toward being something like that versus H1N1. In 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 your you know you you're talking about pandemics. I mean, some folks are still uh, I don't know. Uh, they're just idiots, but like they're, they're still comparing this to like the common flu. I mean, that was, that was a talking point obviously from Trump for, for a couple of weeks. Um, that and it being a hoax. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. That and it not being real. Yes. Um, right. <laughs> fair point. Uh, how, how much does, um, how much does that like misinformation and disinformation and not no information, how does that affect nurses and doctors in the front line, in your opinion? So for us, of course, it's hard. Um, and just to just to educate anyone listening, there's a lot of differences, obviously. Um, essentially, the flu you'll present with, flu and bo- it, it, it's body aches, headache, abdominal discomfort, that tends to be more in children, sore throat, chills, and fatigue, whereas corona is just this constant dry cough. That's the most important. It pretty much doesn't stop. The shortness of breath and fever, but I know as far as the emergency go, emergency room goes, even when I was just dealing with the seasonal flu as an ER nurse, well, I personally had it, and it's horrible. But the people coming in, you know, they're, they're scared and they feel like they're dying. Um, so the misinformation out there can really be difficult because people will come in with the flu, which spreads it more, and they think maybe it's corona when, you know, it's, it's hard enough for us as healthcare providers to rule one thing or another out right now. Like there are not many definitive things. Um, and testing is only done if you're basically, if you're like guaranteed to have either traveled or been in contact with someone. So it's, for example, I felt sick right now. I could probably go in and they would test me because I traveled, but someone like, I don't know, my sister who hasn't traveled, went into the ER with symptoms, they wouldn't test her. They would just tell her to isolate at home. So mm-hmm. people thinking, you know, people thinking it's like the flu might present a lot more often just because they're that much more scared. Right, right. 
And, and what do you, like, what do you tell people? Um, I mean, I guess here's, here's kind of the question. I, I posed this question to you. We were, I texted you questions before this for folks who don't know, uh, while I was eating an impossible burger in the parking lot of a Walmart. Um, just, just so folks know how the sausage is made over here. Okay. How the, how the vegan sausage is made. <laughs> um, but, but I was, I asked, you know, if you were president for a day and, uh, you could advise folks of, of what to do, what would you say to them as, as an, as an ER nurse, as somebody on the front lines and, and as somebody who is going to see, I'm guessing multiple patients and be exposed to it yourself. Yeah. Um, I think the same message has just been repeated over and over and over and let's just stay home as hard as that may be. Um, Obviously, grocery stores are open for a reason for gas stations, and you have to do what you have to do, feed and clothe your family. But, um, you know, there have been some videos going around that this spring break thing in Florida is still happening, and that blows my mind. Yeah. So it's just people, especially maybe people our age, think they're super resilient, and, um, you know, it's scary, but the, the truth is they're finding that more young people are being infected than we realize, mm-hmm. probably because they're not either not presenting themselves or they're presenting themselves too late. So if you think you're immune, you know, you're just not. Yeah. yeah. Stay home, probably what I would say. Stay home, listen to the advice of Jana and everybody else, and um, don't be a fucking idiot, people. Um, Seriously. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Sonic's new Fair Faves, bringing the carnival food to you, and almost immediately after, to your toilet. That's right, carnival food. Nobody asked for it, but Sonic said, fuck it. 99 cent corn dogs are never a bad idea. The yum yums include the aforementioned shitty corn dogs, cheddar peppers, which are jalapenos filled with cheddar cheese, breaded and deep fried, served with ranch dressing, and fried Oreo a la mode, which is three Oreos battered and fried served with ice cream. To repeat, they took Oreo cookies, battered them, and fried them. Literally, literally, the worst possible thing you could eat. Sonic, not one fruit or vegetable in sight, means everything's all right. Only thing that's certain is that we die. When our credits roll, that's all we are. Who will be an extra and who will star? Everyone we know and love and trust don't just love us back, they become us. So you were going, you and your boyfriend were traveling up to Alaska from Nevada and you went through Canada. Talk a little bit about that experience. And as you were traveling, like, did you guys experience any i know they closed the canadian u.s border did you guys experience any setbacks along those lines yeah so if you want some really good um advice as to how to survive a pandemic just uh reach out to my boyfriend or me because we managed to leave everything and everyone we know and move to alaska in freezing cold weather like <laughs> none of our stuff so you know reach out um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I don't know how, it's incredible how everything worked out for us. Absolutely incredible. Um, our stuff was picked up. Everything went without a hitch. Our entire drive, the worst thing that happened was we got a, uh, 
a chip in the windshield that managed to lead to a crack, which I just got fixed today. And it was perfect. Like we got here and settled in and then the Canadian border closed, I think four days later, um, going through it, Canada itself was, um, amazing. It was so beautiful. (laughs) I know when it opens, if you ever want to do that, I highly recommend it. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) the people, everywhere we went, basically everywhere we stayed had news on, and it was all about, you know, the virus, the virus, the virus. And so that was basically we were getting our updates beside our phone. And people didn't seem concerned. They were going about their business. One night we managed to accidentally stay in a man camp somehow. That's a long story for another time. But <laughs> all of these men were coming in and eating and socializing just totally like normal. Nothing had been affecting them to that point. So this hammer feels like it struck down seriously right after we got here. It, I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And even... Even now, some days I wonder if they're actually going to let me in on Monday, because technically by Monday, I will, I've only been here 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, things are changing so rapidly that it's, it's unbelievable, but our stuff is currently stuck in Can- in uh, Montana somehow, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be able to get through, and it's just going person by person, however, whoever got their stuff there first gets to go first. So do you, um, have a, do you have a timeline of when you when you should get it? Originally, they told us three to six weeks, so my bet is we're looking at more like six weeks, which we weren't thinking that in the first place. Well, that means the neighbors should really get quite the show then, I guess, because... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they will get quite the show. I mean, you only have so many so many changes, I think, in the front yard yeah. before the suitcase runs out on you. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of laundry that's going to need to be done in the next few weeks, yeah. tell you that much. And I mean, you're, so you're, uh, and your boyfriend, I know works in like works in mines and all that kind of stuff. Is his job affected at all by, by what's happening? So he's a heavy equipment mechanic and the only effect he's really had so far is the fact that his tools are in Montana. Um, Mm -hmm. he will be able to start on Monday doing other stuff in the shop. Um, I still wonder if there's any possibility that, we'll get some kind of ordinance like California where it's shelter in place and, you know, or New York. I think today they just went hundred percent of jobs need to be done from home. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so far he's going to work though. There's been nothing that's saying that he, he isn't. Um, I believe because of the fact that he works on machines that are actually needed to continue to help with, I don't know, the, the oil production or what, you know, wherever the money is, money always wins for the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so far, he has not been affected at all. Okay. Okay. Um, and I have a couple more questions. Here, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say restaurants, everything non-essential in quotes. I think people get really offended by the word non-essential business. Like, everyone's essential and important. But in a time like this, if you are a, a barbershop, beauty salon, restaurant, bar, like, you just you need to close. And so all of those places here are closed right now. I would, like I would strongly argue that the president of the United States is not essential at this point, but, um, <laughs> yeah, just shut it down. Just close them up. It, it, yeah. I mean, honestly, like at least Pence knows how to talk. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so has this exposed in your opinion, any larger gaps in our healthcare system? You know, has it, has it exposed that? And, and, um, what do you what do you think about kind of the the system as it was and and then how it is today while we're going through this? Yes, 
I believe that has exposed a lot of things. Um, first of all, like it's given a big super shout out to nurses and doctors, which I'm in love with. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming. There's some free stuff headed my way and I'm all for it. Um, but in all seriousness, the, I don't know if you are aware, but the CDC sent out faulty kicks back in February mm. when they were trying to like kickstart, um, trying to, to uh, test people. And so from there, they finally got out the correct ones. But in the meantime, labs were allowed to use the ones they created. Um, but only under the ordinance, they would use it as an emergency. And that went along with, I don't know if you know about anything about the doctor in Seattle who was basically the original person to expose the fact that there was a probably crisis going on from that um, nursing home. She, like, tried so hard to get people tested and um, wasn't even being allowed to. So I don't really... I, I understand that tests can be limited and that there's a limited amount of people to even read the tests. Um, but to me, it makes sense to actually test somebody and then just wait, then not test them at all while they're, you know, out there infecting other people for a long time. Um, and, you know, you've heard a lot about the personal protective equipment or PPE, like we talked about masks that are having to be reused. And I know that our president signed some kind of thing that said a bunch were going to be made. Um, I just, I don't really understand why that hadn't been done earlier or maybe why we weren't ready for something like this in the first place. When I was reading about H1N1, um, one of the, the, I think maybe it was a doctor had mentioned in the article that this, that should have been a a warning for us, um, for something bigger to come. We should have just been more ready. Right. Right. So, there have been a lot of fallouts as we've been going on. Um, so yeah, I believe there are a lot, a lot of things that we can do better next time if this ever happens. Well, when this happens, I think this is something that's just not going to stop happening. Um, and then, of course, to touch on the fact that there's a lot of racial tension involved when it comes from somewhere that we aren't familiar with. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's just unfortunate when people feel like being so cruel. Yeah. Yeah, because not. because it's scary, you know. When when fears involved, people are going to just react irrationally. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. My last question for you before we get to the five super lazy questions I wrote in five minutes. Uh, what is your what is a point of optimism for you? Like what what makes you feel optimistic about? You know, starting your job, and then also hopefully when this will be over. I think I find most of my optimism in, well, I'm obviously not working with my coworkers now, but the ones back in Reno who I know are just doing a phenomenal job and working as a team more now than they ever have before. Um, and the resilience I know that exists in not only nurses and doctors, but people in general, if they really let themselves work through their fear. Um, It's pretty incredible what can be done with a small group of people. For example, um, you know, Reno and here, they're not, this is a much smaller area than Reno. Um, And I'm I'm impressed with how quickly things shut down and, and the responses that are being taken. But I guess, I guess, so... In short, my optimism comes from the strength that people are showing through all of these difficult times. Right. 
Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've noticed <laughs> despite uh, kind of a lack of leadership at the very top, I think there's been a lot of pretty cool stuff from state and local governments um, on a bipartisan basis, as well as, I mean, definitely the people in the front lines, what you do, what doctors do, what, you know, healthcare, public health professionals are doing. Um, and, and all the, you know, folks kind of behind the scenes it, 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 within the, the federal government and state and local governments, like actually that, that gives me <laughs> optimism as well. And I do, I do feel like even in where I'm at now in Mississippi, um, which is, uh, just a lovely place, as you know. I love it here, and uh, <laughs> I'd like to retire and settle down and be buried here. Um, I'd be buried yeah. in one of those like really intense little—I don't even know what they call them—tombs. Oh, I, I was right. I was thinking the Beau Rivage Casino, but um, you know, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> just just right next to the slot machines. <laughs> Perfect. Just Perfect to, place for you. You can you can pull my put my ashes out somewhere on the carpet. You won't you won't tell. It, it, is it are those cigarette ashes or is oh, that Justin Cross? Um. <laughs> Great. Today's podcast is brought to you by the NRA, the Nashville Racketeering Association. We manufacture the highest quality tennis and squash rackets in the Greater Nashville area. Graphite, hypercarbon, titanium, even tungsten. We work with everything, and our rackets are top-notch. Online response has been flabbergasting, and we'd like to address that. Racketeering is something we're passionate about. Please stop sending us subpoenas. Also, protesters outside our office chanting down with the NRA are completely uncalled for. We're a pillar of the Nashville community. Bernie Sanders threw a brick through our window the other day. I mean, come on! The Nashville Racketeering Association. Please, for the love of God, leave us a positive Yelp review. Fear is artificial. Just a thought. Something we discover. Something caught. Hate me if you want. Up to you. Don't care what you think. Just what you do. Who will you become from who you've been? Five lazy questions I wrote in five minutes. Uh, You mentioned you drove with your boyfriend through Canada to Alaska. What was your favorite place you stopped along the way? Oh, lovely. So positive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The very end, maybe it had something to do with the fact that we were so close. We stopped at Buckshot Betty's uh, in Beaver Creek, I want to say it was Yukon territory at that point in time. Um, I believe Betty herself was running the place and she was not only getting us checked in and getting us our keys and making sure all the little places were ready to go. She was, um, getting orders for the food and cooking the food herself in this like dining area, which is essentially a restaurant. And the little cabin that we stayed in was like, it was our hotel room essentially, and it was just its own tiny little perfect cabin with a bathroom, and it was so cute. I don't know anything about the place itself. I think the population was fifty, but I'm very <laughs> impressed with Buckshot Betty herself. Really incredible woman. That is that's that's pretty cool. I bet that was the scene. Were you able to see was like the scenery as beautiful as you imagine, or was it too cold to see a lot of the stuff because it was you know you guys drove in? It was actually. Yeah, no, it was um, more beautiful than I could have imagined. I've never 
seen, I don't think I've ever seen Rocky Mountains up close like that mm-hmm. or for such an extended period of time. And they were snow-capped, which I think, not just snow-capped, like it would snow everywhere, but I think in the summer it would be totally different um, in a different, beautiful way. We saw more frozen lakes than we've ever, I don't even actually think I've seen a frozen lake before that trip, so it was more than I'd ever seen in my life, but frozen lake after frozen lake. Um, it was, the scenery was just breathtaking, really. That's awesome. See, and, and by the way, the next four questions are, are going to be all uh, travel questions because that's what this podcast is. It's a travel podcast. And I want people to tune in and listen to this and dream about what they cannot do while they're quarantined in their homes. So We can paint them a picture to make them just wish they were elsewhere. Maybe it's so silly that they'll be there. <laughs> I mean, you remember when you used to be able to go to Canada? Yeah, those were the times. <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> yeah, like last week. Man, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we really, it's, it's, the whole point of this podcast is to give people FOMO. So, um, that's why, that's why we have you. Um, my my next question for you is: Do you uh, do you um, when you think about like this whole scenario and everything? Like, um, is it is it? Uh, you said you aren't too. You're not too nervous, right? Like going into it. Like, but what's an, what's another word that would describe how you're going to feel Monday morning when you wake up and it's I don't know nine degrees outside in Fairbanks and you got to go into work? Like, what's what's one word that describes how you're going to feel? Ready. We can say ready because I sat on it this long. I've had a month off. It's been quite the roller coaster of a month. But um, to be honest with you, as much as this whole thing seems scary, I know that I'm in the right profession because I'm um, feeling guilty that I'm not at the front lines with everyone else right now. So I just, I, I'm ready. That's great. All right, so this is this next question is uh, it's a standard one. I will ask politicians, activists, authors, and now nurses. Uh, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, <laughs> Allison Watson will understand this one. Um, I think it's the only one I've ever sung, and the only one I will probably ever sing again. Now, it's a. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. It was Cowboy Take Me Away by the Dixie Chicks. Oh, wow. Dixie Chicks. That is, uh, that's a throwback right there. I love the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I love the Dixie Chicks. That's, that's an exaggeration. But I like the Dixie Chicks. They, um, they got that one song, Ready to Run. I, uh. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. See, I feel like that, that's a good pump up song for you Monday morning right there. That's probably a good idea. That's what I should just flip right into the CD player. <laughs> um, number four. I never asked you this early on. I probably should have. Why the hell did you move to Alaska? <laughs> At this point, maybe my answer's changed from the original answer. <laughs> uh, um, honestly, it's adventure. Um, my boyfriend could get a really good job up here, and so could I. Although his is probably even better than mine in some some ways, but um, we 
both wanted to travel and recognize that, and this was just a really good opportunity for us. Yeah. And also, I grew up hearing about Alaska my whole life. My dad used to live here in Fairbanks. Um, so apparently it was my time to be here. It's very romantic for him that we're here. Like, 45 years later, his little girl shows up and ready to take over Fairbanks. <laughs> He's loving it. <laughs> I love it. Um, and you come in with a challenge on your hands, so. <laughs> um, yes, like a challenge. My last question for you. What's your favorite part about being a nurse? Besides the fact that sorority girls across the country like to dress up as you when they go to parties. I only wish I had, like, boobs to be able to pull that outfit off. I truly don't. Like, it's, that's, that's the main attraction in that outfit, and not on me. Um, that is my favorite part. It's funny how that question can change. You know, now that I'm going into my sixth year, I feel like I've probably answered that before, and every time I have to give it some good thought. Yeah, I, um, I think it's the right now I'm truly thankful for the um, little life of adventure um, the fact that I'm here is solely thankful to nursing and the hard work I put into it I could go anywhere in the United States right now because actually without a license I don't know if you knew that but the president just said it was okay for any nurse to work anywhere because of the crisis um was pretty amazing, you know, and I'll always be needed. So I can go anywhere forever. My boyfriend and I like to joke that I'll take care of him forever. He'll just like be at home. His new favorite <laughs> thing to think about is becoming a, um, about making knives like a bladesmith. And I'm <laughs> that for him. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't know a bladesmith was a job, but, um, but, Well, Janet, uh, thanks again for being on the podcast and, uh, thanks so much for what you do. And, uh, uh, unlike the president, you are an extremely essential employee. So, uh, you know, stay, uh, safe and stay healthy because, uh, we need you. And, uh, apparently even if you do get sick, you still have to work. So I don't know. Apparently that's, that's what they said. So <laughs> use my, use my uh, sick time you know, if I'm going to call out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> interesting. Also interesting things there. Yeah, Justin, so. thank you so much. This is, I've had a lot of fun with you while you drink your LaCroix. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I thank feel you really, for I having feel, me on. I feel really fancy right now with my apricot LaCroix. Um, I hope your pinky's up. Oh, <laughs> pinky's up, uh, legs crossed, and uh, I'm staring at a bayou, as we say in Mississippi, which is really just a body of wow. water, but... Um, I think it's got like snakes and alligators and, and uh, herpes, but um, <laughs> it's, it's Mississippi, man. You know, that's how it goes here. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate it. I had lots of fun. <laughs>